right, friends, say these words with me today, would you please? Am I good? Am I good? Sound good? Sound good? Amen. Say this with me. Say, I need to change. I need to reach. And I need to multiply. Say, change, reach, and multiply. Now, anybody remember our word from last week? Anybody remember our word from last week? Simplify. Anybody remember the word from the week before that? Uh, I'll, I'll smile and wave. Huh? <laughs> multiply. Somebody took notes. Amen. So multiply, simplify. And I was going to go this week to, oh, I don't know, amplify, edify, uh, or justify. But I think we're going to stick with simplify for one more week because, uh, uh, like Brother Higgins said, when you get this, we'll go on to, move on to something else. All right? Say simplify. simplify. Praise the Lord. All right? So uh, it is uh, amazing in the culture that we live in, how uh, encumbered and complicated life has become. Yes. I mean, we never, nobody ever knew uh, that we would be facing the things that we are facing today in this culture. Daniel wrote, uh, what, about 1,000 B.C., 600 B.C., something like that, and said, when the time of the end comes, there's going to be um, much running to and fro. Man, he said a mouthful, didn't he? I mean, you just try to get out here in traffic and try to go down to the 7-Eleven or something. And it's like amazing already. Everywhere we go, it seems like it's a race or it's a, or it's a, par- a portable parking lot. Isn't that right, Gary? Everywhere you go. And you, it doesn't matter anymore if you go on Sunday afternoon or Monday morning or Saturday night. I mean, there's still a traffic jam. Huh? And, and, and you got to make, you know, you got to race people to get to the next red light. You know, much, uh, he said, learning shall increase. Did you see that uh, Apple became the first trillion-dollar company last week? Learning shall increase. I mean, the technology that we have now, the exponential explosion of technology, you'd think it would make life easier now, wouldn't you? Yeah. Huh? You see how many wires I got coming off of me now? Huh? I, say simplify. simplify. Praise the Lord. You know, sometimes we need to go and, like Cindy said, sit be still and know that he am God. Yes. Right? Turn some junk off. Yes. Say amen. Yes, amen. Sometimes we got to slow down. I mean, even sometimes when we get a, a few minutes off, it seems like, well, let's go jump in the car and go do something. Huh? Huh? It's like you can't shut it off. Yeah. Say simplify. simplify. Praise simplify. the Lord. Look with me, if you would, please, at Mark chapter 4. All right. And uh, we're going to look at the parable of the sower again this week. Uh, verse 14, the sower sows the word, and these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. When they have heard, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, have no root in themselves, and so endure before a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution comes... Uh, for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things, entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on stony ground, such as hear the word, and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. Now, if you look over here, hold your place in Mark, and look over here with me at Luke chapter 8, uh, Luke's account of the same 
the same discourse. In verse 15, Luke says, or Luke quoting Jesus says, but that, but that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Say patience. Amen. Now, now the, the, the devil's complications, the world's complications, and our carnal complications are, uh, are the enemy of divine patience. It's just that simple. Because, I mean, you sit down and you're ready to be patient, and you could sit there on the front porch with your Bible and a cup of coffee for hours, just enjoying the presence of God. And what's going to happen? Sure as the world, what's going to happen? Huh? Phone's going to ring. Huh? That, you know, 200 years ago, that didn't happen, you know. Huh? You heard of a guy named Alexander Graham Bell, you know, messed, messed up all of our lives, right, forever. Right? We got phones. You can't get away from this stuff. Well, it seems like you can't get away from this stuff. But, you know, uh, that phone does have an off button on it. Have you ever noticed that? Huh? There's a preacher not too long ago showed you how to turn the thing off from the pulpit in a very successful church. All right, come back here with me, if you would, please, to Mark's Gospel, chapter 4. Now, we've talked extensively about uh, these are they which are sown um, um, by the wayside. They are very close to God's will for their life. Now, I believe the people in this room, you are in the center of God's will for your life. You know how you can tell sometimes when you're in the center of God's will? Anybody want to know? <laughs> because you're facing some opposition. You're facing some conflict. Am I okay? Is my sound okay? Right? Right. Say amen. So if you have no opposition, no conflict in your life, it could be because you're floating down the stream with the rest of the world. But once you get in, that, in your gospel canoe and you start paddling upstream and you say, I'm going to obey God. I'm going to serve God. You're going to face uh, a seemingly endless stream sometimes of opposition. But amen, the, 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 the grace of God is sufficient to carry you through anything that you're going to face. Say amen. amen. Come on now, do we believe this or is this, uh, am I making it up? No. Has anybody ever seen that the grace of God will carry you through anything? Yes. Come on, the devil wants you to believe that all of his junk is going to slow you down and going to stop you. I just don't believe it. I just don't believe it. And as long as you're here on earth, you're going to be facing some warfare. You're going to be facing some conflict. You're going to be facing some opposition. That's okay. Amen. Yeah. I mean, if the Broncos took the field and there was no opponent, it'd be pretty boring now, wouldn't it? Huh? Come on. Amen. Yeah. All right. So look with me at the next, uh, the next notion that the Lord brings up here. He says, these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with, grat with gladness. Verse 17, they have no root in themselves. It showed so endure, but for a time. Afterward... When affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Say affliction, affliction. and persecution. persecution. Affliction is impersonal problems. Impersonal problems. Uh, persecution is personal problems. Mm -hmm. You're going to have some people problems as long as you're breathing here on planet earth. Amen. Smile everybody. This is the gospel. Amen. Affliction is impersonal problems like, um, oh, I don't know, a bad economy, uh, a, a, a sickness, right? Uh, a situation in your business, um, you know, so, 
things like uh, disasters and storms and fires and things that people face on planet Earth every single day. It's impersonal problems uh, under the heading of afflictions. Now, persecutions, that's personal problems. That's somebody is inspired by the enemy to try to discourage you, stop you, confuse you. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not getting a lot of amens up in here, okay? What, what's going on here, okay? They have no root in themselves and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Why are they offended? Well, because there's stony places in their lives. There's things in their heart that do not belong there that are mitigating the effectiveness of the seed time, pro the seed time harvest process in the kingdom of God. You see, if you plant a garden, anybody ever plant a garden? You know what a seed is. You know what a tomato is, right? Dirt, shovels. You dig a hole, plant the stuff, water it. Amen. Amen. Right? Yeah. Amen. Everybody okay today? Yeah. Praise the Lord. You plant a seed in a stony garden and the stones do not allow, they, they overheat the soil. You know, we have weather like we did the last few weeks around here. And you go out there and you have stony ground. That ground is just too hot to, um, to, to take seed and to bring seed to, uh, to germination stage. But if you can remove the stones and keep some moisture on that soil, it will be at a proper temperature for the germination of that seed that's so precious to your life. Right? What are some of these stones in the lives of, the, uh, of, a, of a Christian? What are some of the stones that uh, we need to get out of our garden? Well, this is pretty simple stuff, really. I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is unforgiveness. Huh? Who knows the scripture? I'm sure you do. I preached and taught on it many times where he said they're over there in the Ephesian prayers that we need to be rooted and grounded in love. Root, say rooted, rooted. and grounded, grounded in love. love. Now, I've been a, a contractor for, for decades now, and I've worked on enough uh, uh, machines and been frustrated by enough simple electronics that I have developed a couple of little axioms that help me to keep machinery running. Okay, and one of them is, it's always a bad ground. If you have a problem with a lawnmower, if you have a problem with trailer brakes on your trailer, if you have a problem with a car that will not start, or will not, a battery that will not hold a charge, amen, or an alternator that keeps going out on you every a couple thousand miles, come on now. If you have a speaker in your house or in your car that's just kind of flickering, it doesn't sound right, it's fuzzy. It's good one minute, it's not good the next. If you have a microphone that works one minute and it won't work the next, it's always a bad ground. Oh, say always. Always, always a bad ground. And, and, and rule number two is the minute you don't think it's a bad ground, it's a bad ground. Every single time. I bought a brand new trailer the other day. Me and the boys, you know, we decided we needed a new trailer to haul lawnmowers around. Big, beautiful, custom-made Kansas City Royals blue trailer, bless God. Oh, glory to God. Praise the Lord. I think they're going to win 40 games this year. <laughs> Lose 120. All right, that's okay. <laughs> Say draft picks, Pastor. Say draft picks. All right. And uh, I bought this brand new trailer, and they want a lot of money. Trust me. A lot of money. It's five times more than the last trailer like this that I bought in 1993, but it was time for a new one. Can you say amen? All right. So I got this new trailer. I hooked it up to my new truck. New trailer, new truck, hooked it up, 
paid the man, walked away, driving down the street, and I got an error code on my truck. Uh, your trailer brake is not connected. I'm like, wait a minute. Mario, jump out here and plug that in. Make sure it's plugged in properly. He jumps out, plugs it in. Dad, it's plugged in. I don't know what's going on. Tried all the buttons, hit menu options, scrolling. Aren't you glad we have cars now that have menu options and you can scroll through all of the stuff you don't know nothing about? Amen. As, say simplify. Say 83 Chevy with no menu options. Amen. <laughs> say points and condenser. All right. Okay, so... Uh, uh, so we get out, we, get, we figure it out, we're looking at it, and nothing. Brand new trailer. Drove back. And uh, the man who sold it to me says, well, the guy that looks at our wires has gone home. Wouldn't you know it? 4.30 on a Friday afternoon, the guy went home. Of all the unmitigated audacity and gall to go home on a Friday afternoon at 4.30. So I said, what are we going to do? So I went home. And uh, I parked it. And I said, you know what, Mario? I'm just going to take a look at it. So I got a screwdriver. I opened it up. And guess what? It's a bad ground. The, 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 the two little wires, there's a black wire and a blue wire. The black wire is your what? Ground. Your ground wire. The blue wire is your trailer brake power wire, right? Well, the, the black wire had a, just a couple little, you know how a copper wire has strands? It has about 11 strands in there, right? Well, just a couple of those strands were kind of sticking out where you screw it in tight and kind of touching the blue wire over here. Screws up the whole thing. Say it's always a bad ground. And you know, we have a propensity, friends. We have a propensity to try to figure out spiritual problems with mental exercise. Well, how come this to happen? And how come that's a happening like this? And I don't understand why this is happening like that. And I don't. I'm probably the only one that ever had a little pity party like that, huh? How come people don't do me right? And I can't understand why these people. People are going to be not heads. You might as well get used to it. Amen. I mean, that's liberating right there if you just realize that sometimes people's just going to be people's amen. Right? They're not perfected just quite yet like you and me are, huh, Mikey? Huh? They hadn't arrived like we have. Isn't that right, Mikey? Huh? Because they're on the path. God bless them. Let's keep praying for them. But they haven't arrived yet. And people are going to be difficult. Amen. But what is our call as a believer? We have one commandment. Aren't you glad we don't have 613 commandments like they did in the Old Testament? Aren't you glad about that, Dolores? I mean, can you imagine having to burn a sheep in your front yard about three times a year? Amen. Or having to go to Jerusalem and have somebody do it for you? Huh? Or how about having to build a sukkah in your backyard or front yard? You know, and there's, coming up to the time of year when they do that, the Feast of Booze and Tabernacles and all of this, I'm not the expert on that. Amen. Aren't you glad? Amen. But I, I know some grace when I see it. Amen. I, I know some grace when I taste it. I don't know everything about the law of Moses, which only goes to uh, 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 amplify the fact that, you know, I'd be uh, completely out of luck if I was to please God by, uh, by, by the law of Moses. Yeah. And it's 613 laws, statutes, and commandments. None of us have a chance. I, uh, uh, you know, was acquainted with a, ra a rabbi not too long ago. And got to talking to him about this a little bit. And he says, Brian, don't even worry about it. I mean, you have no chance of being an observant Jew. And I know some quote-unquote Christian people that are trying to become observant Jews. I think it's absolute poppycock. I mean, they, they're, they're wearing yarmulkes and, and, and prayer shawls. Nothing wrong with that. But don't tell me you're a Messianic Jew. Huh? Any more than I'm a Japanese airline pilot. All right? You're not. 
You're pretending. And, it, and it's okay if you want to dress up for Halloween or what have you. Okay, but don't tell me you're an observant Messianic Jew. You're not. Amen. There we have one commandment in the New Testament. Say simplify. simplify. One commandment. Now, well, you already know what it is, right? Yep. It's, come on, help me out now. It's the love commandment. Jesus said, this is what I'm commanding you in John 13, 34, that you love one another. Amen. As I have loved you. That's a pretty tall order now, isn't it? Now, there's only one way that we can fulfill that commandment. Can you imagine what that might be? With his help. Hmm? Isn't that amazing how God puts us in a position where we have to be completely and utterly dependent upon him to fulfill the call and the, uh, his will for our lives? Hmm? But we want to hang on to all of this stuff. And we got to simplify. We just got to simplify. So if things are not working in our lives, I mean, you know, here's the thing, friends. You all are faith people. You go to believers conventions. You watch the BVOV. I, I just, you know, if I was a doctor and I was analyzing your situation, the first place that I would look would not be your confession of faith. Yeah. Now, every now and then we say some dumb stuff, but most of us correct it almost immediately, right? Yes. I mean, we correct one another. It's our favorite indoor sport. Oh, I wouldn't say that if I was you, right? <laughs> Come on now. We correct one another's speech, right? <laughs> Isn't it something when your kids start correcting you? Oh, you're going to have what you say, Dad, if you really keep, if you keep, believe in your heart. <laughs> say those things that you're, <laughs> you're going to have exactly what you say. Shut ye up. Glory to God. Amen. Praise the Lord. First place I would check would not be thy confession of faith. Amen. We wonder why things are not working sometimes. The, the second place I would probably not check is your giving record. Yes. Huh? And sometimes we think, well, if I could just give more, if I could just serve more, if I could just shandala more, then everything in my life would work out just fine. Uh. Doubt it. Amen. That's a pie in the sky, and that's not reality. Amen. Everything in Brother Copeland's life don't work out perfect. I mean, I can sit here and tell you stuff. I know some inside information about some of these big ministries. They go through stuff just like you do. Welcome to planet Earth. As my dad used to say, Lee's my name. Where, what planet did you step off of where they got no problems? Come on. That's not reality. It's how you deal with it. Huh? Huh? And how are we supposed to deal with it? Well, we got, we got to have a love walk. Amen? Simplify. Simplify. So the, 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 the place that I would recommend that you check as the pastor, the elder of this assembly, would be check your love walk. You know, if the finances are dried up, could it be? That we're stingy or selfish? I mean, the people in this room, probably not. Maybe somebody out there watching us in some other hemisphere. It could be. I mean, it could, maybe this message is for them. I don't know. But could it be that part of the reason maybe we're struggling financially is not because we have a lousy confession of faith. And more than likely, it's probably not because we are uh, not a willing-hearted giver. Probably not. It could be that we have opportunities to expand our own financial uh, well-being by being generous and we uh, shun those opportunities out of a sense of fear that we're not going to have enough. And perfect love will drive that fear out. When we have a revelation of the love of God, we're not going to fear ever running out. That's right. You know, friends, I mean, if, 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 if my life's work as the pastor of this church and obeying God to ministry comes down to one thing. I would want to see the people that I minister to, the people that I teach, the people that I preach to, I would want to see you come to a place where you have spiritual stability that is unshakable in the storms of life. 
because you're going to have some tough times. Nations have tough times. Families have tough times. Businesses have tough times. Churches have tough times. People have tough times. Am I preaching to the choir or is this the truth? Yes. It's just how do we deal with it? Amen. You've got to develop some, uh, some fighting skills. We have to develop some endurance. Praise the Lord. These things are true. But when it comes right down to it, is it all about me? No. If it's all about me, then my love walk is, is suffering. Can you say amen? Can you say amen? I'm going to give you a proverb that I gave you last week and try to repeat it in case you need to fill in some of the blanks. Something that uh, uh, might help you here. Simplification allows multiplication by expanding capacity to maximize each God-given opportunity. Now, I did post this on uh, uh, Family of Faith uh, Facebook page, and if you look at that, you can see my notes right here in my little red notebook that I got at Staples. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'll say it again. Simplification allows multiplication by expanding capacity to maximize each God-given opportunity. Now, God has given us opportunities every single day. The greats of the faith, I remember in the last century, I heard them say it, that miracles are coming to you and going right by you every single day. Amen. I mean, we are not uh, failing due to a lack of opportunity. That is a fact. Amen. But could it be that we are failing to maximize each God-given opportunity, much like Cindy said, because we do not have capacity, because our capacity has been minimized by a complicated lifestyle. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. A co say complication, complication is the opposite of simplification. And listen, how many people started working on that garage or the basement here last, since last week? Amen. Yeah, I'm exempt because my garage door is broken. Amen. Glory to God. <laughs> Say repent, Pastor. Simplify. Amen. All right. <laughs> Simplification allows multiplication. See, these are the three words, right? Change, reach, and multiply. God wants to multiply you personally. God wants to multiply this church. God wants to multiply your finances. God wants to multiply your influence everywhere you go. But our capacity for that multiplication is limited by a complicated lifestyle. And like the prophet Daniel wrote, man in the last days learning is going to increase. Whoop-de-doo! Right? I mean... <laughs> What does, a, what does a college graduate say as soon as they get the day after graduation? Would you like to put that on your Home Depot card? <laughs> because I, it's a joke. It may be not very funny, apparently. I mean, because of the crickets I'm hearing. It's not funny at all. But the, the point is, is that, you know, higher education has become so complicated. And you go out and try to live what they teach you in the real world. And it, it might not work. Might not work. Because it's so complicated. Life shouldn't be that complicated. Oh, I love you, Lord Jesus. I love you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. I come from a long line of highly educated people. And they have the same problems you do. Same problems I do. Amen. I found that a simplified, streamlined lifestyle, you can be more successful. You know, the, the, the people that you think of uh, that are really successful, they focus on one thing. They do one thing really well. Simplify 
They do one thing really well. I mean, what's Van Gogh known for? Painting, right? Do you, I mean, do you think the guy was a karate expert? Probably not. Huh? <laughs> you think the guy could tune your Subaru? Doubt it. But man, he could paint you some stuff, right? Paint you some fruit and stuff, right? I mean, how about, you know, I mean, when people get into two areas of expertise, we think they're like megastars, like an athlete that can become a a movie star. That's amazing, right? Because most of the athletes are so dumb that they can't, can't read a script, right? But when they can transition to two different careers, that's, that's pretty amazing. But I think if we would focus on one thing, I think sometimes we do a lot better, amen? Rather than trying to do so many things. Have you ever noticed when you get out of the car, you're gathering up all this stuff. And the next thing you know, you're loaded. And me and Cindy, we just look at each other coming in the house. I said, look at you and your bags. We always talk about the bags that we're carrying. I go to the store sometimes for one thing. (laughs) Toothpaste or something. (laughs) One thing. And the next thing you know, somebody who works there at the grocery store says, uh, do you need a cart? I'm like, what was your first clue? Right? I'm, I got stuff in my mouth. I stick stuff in my pocket. So, you know, I'm not stealing it. I just don't have a cart. These are they which are sown among thorns, such as here the world and the cares of this world. Say the cares of this world. world. I mean, that is pressure from the world system. Isn't it amazing that they show you all this stuff on TV that you just can't live without? Huh? All this shiny, glitzy stuff that you just absolutely got to have. And as soon as you get it, it becomes a burden to you. Now you got to sit there and program the dumb thing for days. Not you. Flip phone. Say flip phone. <laughs> the care of this world. The deceitfulness of riches. If, if we can get one thing, friends, riches are deceitful. And in the Christian world, there's some very rich people, some very successful people. And you know me well enough, I am not coming against that, not nary a whit. I mean, if, if God, praise the Lord, I don't care if you need a jet or not. If you want a jet, you can have a jet. I've heard some preachers saying, all these preachers that got jets are all the scum of the earth and all. I don't, that's, that's, that's not in the Bible. The Bible doesn't say thou shalt not have a jet, does it? That's right. Hmm? If you, it's not even, well, what do you need that jet for? What if you don't need a jet? What if you just want a jet? John Travolta's got a couple of jets. Nobody asks him, well, what do you need a jet for? Everybody knows he don't need no jet. He ain't going nowhere. Except to his islander, right? Back to the mansion he don't need no jet he wants a jet doesn't the guy got like a 737 or something he's got a big Boeing what do you need that for he don't need that he wants that and nobody hassles him for it I'm not gonna hassle a preacher because he has a jet that goes Mach 1.9 or something I don't care amen I mean I you know praise the Lord I mean God bless him more power to him But that don't, mean I, that don't mean I want a jet. Because what would I do with a jet? Huh? Say simplify. Simplify. 
I mean, that would make my life pretty complicated if I had to, if I had to mess with a jet right now. Someday maybe, all right. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches. Even Christian people sometimes, we look at fabulously successful preachers and we think, man, when are we going to get there? You know what they're probably thinking? Man, I wish I could go back to the good old days, man. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. We heard Brother Jesse talking about this. You think, man, it'd be nice to have that big 43,000 square foot mansion. <laughs> and, you know, whatever, 150, 200 people working for you. Eh. You know, I've been in business, and that's sometimes guys get around, you know, the coffee shop or whatever, or the supply house, you know, the, us, us contractors. How many people you got working for you? I don't know. None of them's working today, man. It's just about to drive me nuts, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like a pride thing, how many people you got working for you. But we, uh, we heard Brother Jesse talking about it. He says, man, wish we could go back to the good old days when it was just a handful of people. Before you had to hire like a couple dozen fools. Amen. You ever heard him talk about that? You know, you know that's why it's called the deceitfulness of riches. It ain't all it's cracked up to be. You know, if you could sit on your porch, I don't care if you're sitting in front of a tough shed or an igloo or a teepee. If you could sit on your front porch and you got peace in your heart. Yes. Amen. I don't care if you're sitting in front of a mansion. Praise the Lord. Can you sit on your front porch and watch people ride bicycles by your house and enjoy life? Can you do that? Or are you sitting there fretting and worrying and struggling over how you're going to solve the world's problems or your problems or somebody else's problems? You think riches would take that all away? No. You know, if, if you're not a steward of your mind when you're poor, what makes you think you'd be an effective steward of your God-given imagination when you had millions of dollars in the bank? If you're full of worry and stress and strife and struggle, amen, yeah. making $50,000 a year, $100,000 a year, what makes you think you'd have a heart full of peace if you're making $10 million a year? That's the deceitfulness of riches. The, the wealth does not bring peace, friends. Wealth does not bring peace. Wealth is just nothing but a tool. What are you going to do with it? Well, if I had a bunch of money, I'd do this, and I'd do that, and I'd buy this, and I'd buy that for these people. And I, why don't you start doing that now, if you really mean it? Well, I only have a dollar. All right, we'll take 10 cents. Amen. And put it in a coffee cup or something. And say, Lord, here's my 10 cents. What do you want me to do with my 10 cents? I know people, I know people that, that uh, we, we get offerings sometimes. There's coins in there. That's somebody who's serious. You know, sometimes you, you, you think a preacher, when he'd open that, he'd think, <laughs> no, that's somebody who's serious about this. Because they're taking the seed. In, that's wealth in seed form. Amen. Hmm? If you're faithful in little, you'll be master over much. The day's coming. The day's coming. But you want to be the same person when you're wealthy as you were when you're poor. Yeah. Huh? you got to have peace in your heart when it's tough times. Praise the Lord. None of this is in my notes today. I'm just having a little heart-to-heart -heart chat with some of my friends today, all right? Have no root in themselves. Come on down here again, please. These are they which are sown among thorns in verse 18. Mark 4, 18. These are they which are sown among thorns. So, what are thorns? Things in our lives that we should have got rid of a long time ago. Hmm. 
I got a car that I'm fixing to get rid of. Amen. <laughs> I took about six or eight pictures of it the other day. I'm not sure how to advertise it, you know. Reliable. <laughs> Indestructible. <laughs> Smells funky. <laughs> Radio works. <laughs> thorns. Uh, the first place that thorns showed up. Anybody know in the Bible? First place that thorns showed up. When Adam transgressed, when Adam sinned, the Lord told him, he says, the, the ground is going to bring forth thorns unto you. Because Adam did not manage his responsibilities. He didn't take responsibility. I've heard Jesse talking about this. You know, people need to take ownership over the things that God has put in our hands. A lot of times in Christianism, we say things like, well, it's all God's. You don't mean that. I mean, if I came to your house and moved your couch two inches, as soon as I leave, <laughs> you'd move it back. Yeah. Why? Because it's yours. If it was really all God's, you'd never mow your lawn, right? You wouldn't comb your hair. Hmm? It takes me about a minute to comb my hair now. Just a little, it's great. It's awesome. I went to the barber. What are you laughing about, brother? <laughs> I went to the barber not too long ago, and she said, uh, she said, you want me to cut it the way I did last time? I said, sure. I never know what to tell these people, Todd. I don't know. She says, do you want it to block or to duck tail or what in the back? I said, I don't know. I can't see it. Who cares? She said, you want me to cut it the way I did last time? I said, yeah. She goes, yeah, over the top, right? I did not have to comb my hair, Jack, for a month. It was awesome. <laughs> it was tremendous. It was great. Okay, what was the last question you asked me here? Immediately they're offended. <laughs> and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things. Lust is pressure. Lust is pressure. We think about lust, we think about sex a lot of times in America, but... Lust is pressure. Debt can create pressure. Hmm? Hmm? Things can create pressure. Amen? I mean, if I leave things out of place in the kitchen, that can create pressure in a marriage. Amen? Yes. How come you leave that there? I, I, don't, I don't know why I do that. I don't know. I wish I didn't do that. I wish I didn't leave that thing there. <laughs> Forgive me. I repent. Pray for me. Amen. Cast the devil out of me. Amen. Things can create pressure. Yeah. Right? The lusts of other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Jesus. I'm going to give you this other one. Okay. Complication creates a constant stream of distraction. Eliminating opportunities to pursue our God-given destiny. Complication. A complicated lifestyle. Complicated relationships.
complicated financial situations, living beyond your means, I could save you a lot of trouble. Living way beyond your means and calling it faith is stupid. I've tried it, it don't work. God had to bring me back to reality. I had a friend of mine, I mean, he's, he's a heathen. If you go to his house, he will offer you marijuana. He's got a big jug of whiskey sitting in the kitchen, right? Guy's a multimillionaire. He does, he does one thing well. And one time I was having a little bit of trouble. I needed a loan or something. I don't remember what it was. And I was kind of griping to him. And I was saying, you know, he could, he could write a check and solve all my financial problems. I was talking to him. I said, I think it was the house payment that was bugging me at the time. I was living in a, in a house where it was beyond my means. And I was griping about it. And he says, what are you living in that house for? You don't make, whatever he said, $100,000 a year. It was real simple to him. He looked at it very simply. You're living beyond your means. You're a fool. And he said it to me in such a way that it got through to me. What are you living in that house for? You don't make $100,000 a year. That's stupid. And I tried to justify why I would buy a house like that. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, I have grossed. Um, uh, I have had years where I grossed, you know, several, you know, a lot of money. I had a really good year about three years ago where the gross was $300,000, and uh, so therefore, I'm justifying my asinine behavior. <laughs> when we try to justify a complicated lifestyle, we're going to entrap ourselves in it further. Amen? Sometimes we just got to unburden ourselves from some junk. Whether it's junk in the garage, amen? Junk in this tra- uh, closet over here? We're going, to have a, we're going to have a day where we're, after church, we're going to go in there, we're going to take everything out of there. Get it all out here on the floor and sort through it and see what do we really got to have in here. Amen. Amen. That's one of the reasons why we got the, the cajon here. Because it's just a lot simpler than trying to set up drums. I mean, isn't it complicated enough trying to set all this up every time? Huh? Let's make it simpler. Let's pray and ask God to show us how to make things simpler here. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't it be simpler if we had chairs that stacked a little easier? Yes. We're looking into it. We're looking into it. Amen. All right. But we have to resist the propensity to complicate our lives. Amen. Complication creates a constant stream of distraction. I remember uh, 12, 14 years ago when I was in financial straits. I mean, I was between a rock and a hard place. It was ugly. I had bills coming at me from every direction. I didn't even know what they were. I had people calling me to collect on stuff. I didn't even know what it was anymore. Anybody ever been anything like that before? Huh? Am I the only, I'm the only one, huh? I mean, they're collecting bills for stuff. I couldn't tell you what in the world this is all about anymore. It, it had gotten way too complicated. And we have a propensity to get overloaded in finances, in relationships. I just feel like I just need to touch on relationships here for a couple of minutes. You know, we Christians, we're such loyal people. We're such big-hearted, good-hearted people that we want to carry folks. Huh? Uh, We want to carry folks that should be walking. 
Cindy, come on up here. I'm going to throw you over my shoulder and carry you around in front of the church here for a little while, huh? <laughs> or vice versa. How about you carry me around the church a little while, okay? Remember the time that Michael did that for me? He carried me across the front of the church. I heard Brother Hagin talking about this. He said, uh, you know, sometimes we're carrying people spiritually and breastfeeding them when they're full grown. Say gross. When you get to be a certain age, you one thing that you don't really you want you don't want to see. No. No. Don't even say it. You get to be about our age, you know. <laughs> and you don't want your full grown children on perpetual economic outpatient care. Yep. That's right. That's a parenting issue. Now, listen, we're so big-hearted, we're so good-hearted, we'll do anything. Isn't that right, Gary? I mean, we'll do stuff for people. Sometimes we do too much. And what happens when you do too much for people? Inevitably, what happens? You get hurt, but it's, a, it's, it's one thing to get hurt. It's another thing when you lash out because you put yourself under all this pressure now you find yourself saying and doing things and reacting angrily. You're like, who is this? Who, who am I? Because you're carrying somebody. If Michael tried to carry me for a couple hours up here, eventually something would break down. Eventually the system would begin to break down. Because he's not made to carry that much weight. I'm not sure anybody is. Just kidding. <laughs> He's not made to carry that much weight. And when you're carrying too much weight, something's got to give. And a lot of times it's our emotions that give. Uh, and something breaks, something snaps. We find ourselves saying things, treating people in a way that is totally inconsistent with our own heart. Amen? Am I the only one? What's the answer? Simplify. The answer is to unload some stuff. Unload some people. I mean, it is awful quiet in here. If the only way you can see your grown children is to breastfeed them financially for the rest of their life, you're not really doing them a favor now, are you? What is it, Joyce Meyer said, if you want to have a 40-year-old baby or something, what did she say? Keep helping them, bail them out of every situation financially. You're going to have a 45-year-old baby demanding things from you. Well, <laughs> let's see if we can turn it around here in the closing moments here and get you happy again. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Y'all praying for me? You, this, this ain't as easy as it looks, you know. Meddling with people's stuff, you know. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Complication creates a constant stream of distraction. Eliminating opportunities to pursue our God-given destiny. When you get to be a certain age, 
you only you know that you only have a certain amount of time left. I mean, when you're in your 20s and your teens, you think, oh, I'll be, I'll, it'll be like this forever, <laughs> right? You get to be in your 50s and 60s, you're starting to think, it may not be, I may not be here forever, <laughs> right? And you start realizing that the time is short. And you know, there's no fool like an old fool. There's no fool like somebody who has lived a foolish lifestyle, a distracted, complicated lifestyle into their 60s, 70s, or 80s, and they come to the end of life and every opportunity has passed them by. Every opportunity to pursue their God-given destiny has passed them by. Let it not be said of us. Amen? I am done. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus.